As a business and leadership mentor, wife, and mom, I know that building a legacy business as a high-performing female entrepreneur can be overwhelming when you play many demanding roles in your life. But you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. You can be a powerful, high performer in your career, plus enjoy a fulfilling marriage and be a great mom all at the same time. Join me and my guests every week to get the inside scoop on what it really looks like to build a high growth business while living a life truly aligned with your family and personal values. Hey, Queenette, what's up? Hi, Megan. (laughs) It's so good to see you again. It's been, oh my gosh, like, have we seen each other? It's been months, like nine months to a year or something. Has it been that long? I feel like it's been that long. I feel like it's been that long. Yeah. Or was it earlier this year? I was going to say June. Was it this year or last year? That's a good question. Online. I feel like we did. I mean, I see every day online. (laughs) I know. I know. Um, so those of you listening, Queenette and I met because Queenette somehow discovered something of mine. I have no idea how. She's one of those like rogue buyers that just like swoops in and you see like the cha-ching come through like a pay in full. And you're like, who is this person who just like bought my stuff? And then you like go online and you like Facebook them and research them. And it's like, oh, who's this? Um, but Queenette was one of those people who like swoops into your Facebook group, watches two videos and is like, oh, I'm in. You got to love those types of buyers. Got to love those types of people. Yeah. That was you. It was. It's funny because I said, I think I sent you like one message and I'm like, oh, I saw momentum. And what's the, I think I asked for the link and then you sent the link and I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was you so must fast. Have, <laughs> yes, I know. So that is how Queenette and I know each other. Um, Queenette was in a program for a year and, uh, it was an interesting time for both of us, shall we say? (laughs) Yes. It was an interesting time for both of us. So Queenette got to, to witness, um, me go through my own process of evolution and go through some seasons. And, um, I got to see it in you too. Because you were going through like your own process and your own season, which I'm going to get into all of that because what has occurred for both of us, like coming out on the other side, it's, it's truly magnificent. It's very exciting. It's very exhilarating at the same time when you're, when you're on the other side of it, like before you, you go through the stuff, it's very scary. There's like this fear of, of not knowing there's not a lot of certainty. There's not a lot of trust. And then you go through it and you come out on the other side and it's like, wow, I wish I had done that sooner. So we're going to talk about some of that today. Um, we're just going to go with the flow and, and see what we come up with. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Just a conversation. I think it's always better that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell it, tell, do tell the audience a little bit about you. Like, who are you? What do you do? <laughs> and then we'll get into some of this, you know, what you and I both experienced in the last like year and a half. Totally. Yeah. So my name is Queenette and I am a business coach. I am the founder of Profitable Coach Institute, where we help coaches build amazing coaching companies. Um, my sweet spot is messaging. I love everything about messaging because I think that one message is truly medicine for other people. And so one of the most, you know, important thing I believe in is that you know, when you put your message out there, not only does it bless other people, but it blesses you as well. So that's, that's me in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> you're so good at it too. I remember some of our calls we would have, and I would just be like, Queenette, take it, like, take it from here. <laughs> because you're the messaging person. You coach them. 
<laughs> I had so much fun. It, I know. Was- I know. Okay. So let's talk about, um, I don't remember if it was, it must've been 2021 when, mm-hmm. when was the year that you went to Costa Rica for like 12 weeks? How long were you oh, yeah. in Costa Rica? It was for how long? 11 days. Oh, 11 okay. days in Costa Rica. Yeah. Um, it was the November, no, no, December. It was the end of November into December. 2020 or 2021? 2022 now, right? So last yeah. year, so 2021. Okay, last year. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I remember you um, You had a death in the family. Yes. And then um, kind of like fell off the face of the earth <laughs> right. and did your thing. And I'm like, where did Queenette go? Like, have we lost Queenette? Like, did not hear from Queenette for like two months. And then you resurfaced. And you resurfaced is, is a very different version of yourself. So to whatever degree you're like mm-hmm. available to share any of that, um, share about what, like what went on? Why did you decide to go to Costa Rica? What mm-hmm. happened for you while you were there? And yeah. why did you come back on the other side, a different version of you? Mm-hmm. So that's such a beautiful question and a good place to start. I would say that would be my second spiritual awakening. Um, after, you know, death has a way of reminding us of why we're here and reminding us of like, life is truly short. So losing my mom, um, you know, in my mind, there was so many things I wanted to do. Like, you know how you have these plans, these dreams and, you know, coming from our background, um, just, you know, a little, I think it helps to give contact, right? So I came to America with my mom and three brothers when I was seven years old. So four years later, my father died. So my mother went to Nigeria to bury him and, um, and left us here with my aunt and uncle and, you know, said, go to school. You know, we're here for the American dream. She didn't want to disrupt that. So when she left, um, you know, we were waiting for like six months later. We're like, I'm like, um, to my aunt, like, where's my mother? Like, you know, why isn't my mother here? She's like, oh no, your mother's coming back. You know, don't worry. And my birthday's on Christmas. So I was like, okay, cool. Like she has to come for Christmas. Anybody that comes from Nigeria to America during the Christmas season, they bring a lot of stuff, like food, all these things. So you can't wait for people to come because they have, you know, presents and stuff. And so I'm like, it's my birthday. Christmas is coming. I can't wait. It's about to be on. So it was like, a few days before Christmas, I'm like, you know, when is she coming? When is she coming? My aunt said, you know, don't worry. You know, your mom is coming. Don't worry. So I was like, all right. I'm like, all right, this is going to be big. So all I kept thinking was, this is going to be big. This is going to be big. Can't wait. Can't wait. Can't wait. And so the day before I'm like, Hmm, maybe she's trying to surprise me. Oh my God. She's trying to surprise me. So I went to bed quickly and I couldn't wait for the next day. Uh, Cause the next day was going to be Christmas. So I went to bed and I was like, I can't wait. I can't wait. So the next day it was Christmas day was my birthday. I ran to the living room so fast. (laughs) I was like, I couldn't wait. So I went to the living room and I was like, oh my goodness. So I looked around and I didn't smell anything. Like, you know, when someone comes from Nigeria, you smell the motherland, the sand, the food, you smell them before you even see them. But this time I, I, there was just, it was nothing. It was like the same as the day before. So I was like, I went to my, I was like, where's my mother? So she's like, you know, Queenette, you know, I, yeah, I'm so sorry. You know, your mother, you know, she couldn't make it. So I was like, like what? She couldn't make, like, she couldn't make it. Like I couldn't even talk. So I just walked away. And um, the following year, you know, auntie, is my mother coming? 
she goes, oh yeah, your mother's coming and Christmas will come. No mother. So that was like 15 years old, 16 years old, same thing. 17 years old with my mother, she's coming, no mother. So at the age of 17, I was in high school, I was in 11th grade. I swore, I said, I will never, ever depend on anyone else again in my life. Like when you depend on people, they'll lie to you. You can't trust them. So, and the next, the following year, I was a senior and I was like, yep, no mother. I will never, ever, I took a vow. In fact, it was a pact, made a contract with myself. I will never, ever depend on anyone else again. And I will never trust anyone else again in my life. Everything is up to me. I'm going to make it happen. Um, And that pact stayed with me until a few years ago. And it was underneath everything I was doing. It was this underneath current that kept making me achieve and push and push and go and go and go and go and go and go. Um, until I started doing shadow work and healing work before I started to uncover that I still had a path that I hadn't broken. And so the reason why my mother's death last year was so impactful is because we did have the, why did you leave me conversation when I was 30 something years old? So she never came back from America, um, from the age of 12. I didn't see my mother until I was 30 when my brother and I flew to Nigeria and uh, we had a conversation and I had forgiven her before I even like before my foot landed on the plane, because I was watching the Oprah show and Byron Katie was on and Byron Katie said, you know, you know, how do you know that it's true? I was so mad. Like I was like, I, I, I was so mad when I heard her say that. I was like, what do you mean? I'm talking to this lady in the TV. Like she can hear me. <laughs> She's like, you know, how do you know it's true? How do you know it's true? And that, you know, when someone says something and it convicts you, and I was like, this psycho, like, I was so mad. I was so mad, but it wasn't, it wasn't how I was mad. So she was like, you know, she had this exercise she wanted you to do. And she was like, you know, ask yourself, you know, this, this neighbor worksheet, you guys can find it online. Just look it up. And she's like, you know, well, you know, ask yourself these questions and see or something like that. So I ignored it, but every day it kept, it kept, it kept showing up every day. Just clean up, just do the stupid thing. Like, you know, just prove her wrong. Like, what does she know? And so I downloaded the thing and I was just like, whatever, just do it. And I picked, I took the thing. I started to ask the first question and I just literally started crying. Like, you know, the kind of crying that you just can't stop if you want to stop. But I never cried like that ever since my mother left. I never cried. And that was the first time I actually let my heart break. Mm. Other than that, I had a wall. I was a stone. I was so strong, so solid. You're not going to break me. When I started to do that, I worked, that was the first time I let the pain touch me and let my pain flow. And oh, it opened me up in such a way. And like, it gave me this level of compassion that for my mother that I just couldn't see before. And that's why I believe that transformation and healing doesn't take long. It just takes somebody to share something with you in a way that cracks you open in a way that you just never thought before. And I, and that was before I got on a plane. It was like, God wanted me to know that no matter what your mother says, it's not up to her if she's forgiven or not. The work we have to do is between you and I. And so I think that was such a blessing that I didn't depend on my mom's, whatever she was going to say to forgive her, that I was able to forgive her before I got on the plane. And so all that to say that, you know, last year when she passed, there were so many things I wanted to still do. You know, I have three children here. They didn't get a chance to physically see her, you know, and things like that, but they got to talk to her and stuff. So I just had like a lot of like, oh man, she could have waited a little longer. 
you know, those types of regrets. And so, so I needed Costa Rica. I needed to mm. get away from my kids, from my husband and just process. I wanted to model not being the strong one. Mm. Um, so I needed to, to go cry. I needed to sit in the, what is the, um, they have these beautiful, we were in the mountain, like not in the mountain, in the volcano area <clears throat> in the late uh, La Fortuna area. So it was like, um, what is that? Not waterfalls. It's like these, um, the hot springs, hot oh, springs. springs. It's hot springs. Yeah. <laughs> so we were in the volcano, like two and a half hours away from like the, the airport. And it's just, I just needed to cry. I just needed to process. I needed to let it hurt. Um, I need a time. And so that's how I knew I've grown. That's that I told you that was my second awakening. So that's how I knew I've grown before. I wouldn't, I would just like, let's go next, whatever. And I had to just detach. I was like, I told, I posted everything like, you know, like this is what happened or whatever. And everybody waited. Mm-hmm. Like, like there was, I felt not one ounce of pressure to do or be anywhere. Not mm-hmm. one ounce of pressure. It was just like this allowance. And I think part of it is, <clears throat> me allowing myself first. It was just like, I already granted myself permission to just not be available. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't available. And, um, and that was so good for me. That's why I came back different because I, I was so proud of myself. I was like, yes, this is how you go. This is how you evolve. This is how you embody the healing and the work. You don't just talk about it. It's when it's, when, it, when the rubber meets the road, you know that Megan, right? It's like when you, when we see, did you really grow? Did you really learn? Or is this just a performance? And so just letting my heart break and my best friend being with me and just the most supportive human you'll ever meet. Um, and just the space, like, you know what I mean? Like it was just the spaciousness of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I came back and I'm like, all right, my mom and my aunt, I have angels. I have these amazing women, ancestors that are supporting me. Let's go. Mm-hmm. So I was ready from a really healthy place, not from a proving place or anything like that. So yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so, God, it's so fascinating because what you're talking about, and I've got those four Byron Katie questions in my, in a master uh, mindset notebook over here, I'm going to flip through and I'm going to find them I and I'm going to share them with people so we can share them with those questions, share with them what the questions uh, are. Here is what you're also like. You let yourself process emotions. And I'll tell us a short story as well. We don't realize that we're not processing our emotions and Mm -hmm. the way that we like cover them up, Mm -hmm. it's like we default to other feelings and other emotions or other activities. Like you were defaulting to, I'm going to achieve, I'm going to push, I'm going to prove and whatever feelings and emotions you had actually served as a distraction. They were a distraction from the pain, feeling the pain, feeling the grief, feeling the sadness. But like when you were talking about, there was always this undercurrent underneath that was like this other emotion that were, that you weren't letting yourself, like you weren't letting that emotion touch you and you weren't letting it come out and through you. Like you said, I let the pain touch me. I let the pain come out and come through, Mm -hmm. which meant you processed it. Yeah. And so I had a, um, my own experience processing emotions and I'm, I'm in a class right now, like a mindset class, but it's, we're doing like all sorts of things with emotions. And one of our activities for an entire week, it was the emotions week. And, you know, we all have emotions every day. You experience emotions. So you don't think to yourself, 
I'm not processing my emotions. And so the activity we had to do was just sit with your emotions for like three to five minutes every single day in a completely undistracted area. And so I did it the first two days and like nothing. I couldn't, like nothing would come up or through, like didn't feel anything. I'm like, okay. And then my mind was just going to like, well, pick up your phone and look at it or go do this over here. Go do right. Like distraction. Mm-hmm. And then the third day I was like, I'm going to sit here until <laughs> something comes up and I don't care how long it takes. Right. I sat there for 30 minutes before I felt any kind of emotion. And what I thought I like, what my mind was telling me my emotion was was anger and frustration and resentment. I thought I was going to feel anger and resentment. What actually came through was sadness. Mm. And the way it came through was crying. And I cried for about 45 minutes, just sitting in my own living room, sitting in a chair, nobody's in the house. And I just cried for 45 minutes. And it was the emotion of sadness. Mm -hmm. And so like just the act of sitting there, Because when I, you know, and some people might say, well, how did you not, how did you know that anger and resentment weren't the emotions? Mm -hmm. Because nothing came out. Mm -hmm. Nothing was coming out. Nothing was being like processed out in any kind of way. Mm -hmm. And what I recognized was I was using anger and resentment as a distraction to processing the emotion of sadness. And then sadness was like the undercurrent that was always there for Mm -hmm. decades that I, and I had no idea that's what the emotion was until it came through. Mm-hmm. Now, to your point, what you said, like healing doesn't have to take forever. Healing can actually happen really fast. Mm-hmm. I felt like a different person from that moment on. Yeah. From that moment on, once I let it out, I was like a different me. Exactly. Yeah. It's like what you resist persists. And if we're so scared of the, the, the negative emotion that we run away from it. And it's like, no, no, no. This can't break you. It can't break you. And I, when I learned that I'm, oh, um, I'm, when I say strong, I don't mean strong, like, oh my God, strong. I, it's just that we're, we're more powerful than the emotion. Mm-hmm. The emotion mm-hmm. just needs a place. It just wants to be recognized. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, and also it's just like a resting place. It's like, yeah, there's moments of sadness. Like, it's like, we, you can't have happiness without the, the flip side of it, right? Yeah. You have a flip side of everything. There's heads, there's tails. So the flip side of happiness and joy um, is sometimes there's going to be sadness and not turning sadness into this bad thing. Like there's times where I'm just sad. I'm just disappointed. Things didn't work. In the article, you said frustration, um, sometimes bitterness from helping people that don't understand, like from family members and things like, you know, there's things that come up and it's just like, allow it to play. And like, I love this exercise of sitting with the emotion until like for 30, 45 minutes. Um, for me, I have days where I just journal, like a day where it's like, all right, am I feeling what am I feeling? I try to check in with myself in the morning. What am I feeling? Is this a day where you just journal in bed and just work from bed? Or is this a day where you're up and going? And it's just like, allow it to be what it is without making it wrong. So when I stopped making it wrong, it took away the shame. Mm. And when I stopped being ashamed of, it's okay to have days that are not, you know, like rock star days. Cause most of the days are like that, but when it's not, don't think you're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. And so, cause you know, when you're doing the lot, you know, when you're, trying to, you know, when you're trying to manifest and, you know, you're working with like attraction, you think, all right, I don't want to think negative thoughts. I don't want to attract negative things. And it's just like, no, this is not it. That's not what this is. This is just yeah, like yeah. life is happening. And sometimes sad things happen, you know, and that breaks your heart and it's okay to cry. 
Yeah. And you know, the number of times that either you and I have said, or we have certainly heard other people say like 10 years, 10 years later, they're like, why is X, Y, Z coming up for me? I thought I dealt with this 10 years ago, or I went to therapy for this 10 years ago. Don't you have a counseling background therapy or counseling? Yeah. Counseling. Okay. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Um, but this, it's not like when you're processing these things that it like vanishes from, it's not like it like goes away because Mm -hmm. I mean, I'd love to hear your experience, right? Like you just described two kind of like defining moments in your life. And one was more, I mean, when did you have like the first time it was in your thirties? That's when you had like the first time you let the emotions like really come through you. Then again, recently, like a year ago. So you've experienced that two times. They're not going to be the last two times. It's going to happen again. Mm -hmm. And you know, what I'm recognizing, listening to your story, what I've seen in me is once we allow ourselves to like evolve or ascend or whatever word you want to use it to whatever our next level of consciousness is, the only way to get there is through, it's what you're talking about. It's what we're talking about here. It's through that feeling, that emotion it's through processing your emotions. Mm -hmm. Has that been your experience? Yeah, absolutely. Is, is, is processing it because you realize that you're beyond that. Like, so yeah, is so the third in the third in my 30s, it wasn't like I wouldn't consider like when I think of like the what happened with my mom, the transition for my mom, I think of it at this at the second awakening. But the first awakening was actually when I felt that I was depressed, but I wasn't depressed. I was going through a spiritual awakening. It was just like I was using force and survival to create things versus um thriving. So that's different. But um so like, well, it's funny because you, you, I see how you separated when I heard Byron Katie versus when I came back, I think of it as just like one chapter. Mm-hmm. I see it as one transformation um, period. Um, so yeah, I agree with you. Like in terms of processing the emotions and sitting with it is what allows us to grow because then you realize that I guess for me, it was always fear. Like, I don't want to touch this because if I touch this, it's going to hurt too much. And I have things to do. <laughs> like, that was always my thing. I was like, I'm so scared to go here. If I go here, if I crack, I won't be able to get together and I have things to build. I'm in school, like, you know, like, you know, graduate school, whatever, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like if I always felt like I'm on the go. And so if I stop, <laughs> I don't know that I can be put back together and I don't have time. That was always my thing. Like, I don't have time to not make it, if you will. So I'm always chasing success and, and that sort of thing or the next box or whatever. Um, so stopping. And showing myself like, no, nothing, you're not attached to any of this stuff. Like it can all go away and it's fine. And you're still going to be more than enough. And so, so yeah, right. Yeah. Processing the, emo- the emotions just made me, it's just, you sh- you see that you're actually stronger than you are because you're not so attached to things being a certain way. And I think that's where the strength come from, comes from. Yeah. Well, on the other side of that, like once you got on the other side of that, what did you experience after processing those emotions, especially the Costa Rica experience. Like how was life different or better or like what, what changed? Mm -hmm. What changed my mission and the purpose, it was just like solidified again. It was just like, remember why you're here. Like you're more than just the day to day. Oh, I'm going to post something. Did the post work? Oh, I'm launching something. Did it work? You know what I mean? It just expanded my view again of like this kind of that universal purpose reasoning. Why am I here? Look, it can be over. And then what? 
you just came just to, you know, you launched something, you posted something or like, it just made everything I was complaining about and whining about like so minute and not relevant. And it made me step back and say, okay, what's the bigger, what's the bigger thing here? What's the bigger light you came to share? And then I all just, I also just felt like I had people cheering me on as crazy. I know, you know how people like you have the new angel. I just really felt that way that I had like, wow, like, like Queenette, they did all that so that, so that, you know, you can have a chance to even be more. So I felt like I have like people who have my back down. So that gave, I felt like that gave me more power, more energy to like, just go after it, but not in the way I used to go after things. Um, it was more purpose driven and more like, there's an army of people that have my back, not go strive and go make it happen because you need to survive. So I think that so was the biggest shift. That is okay. This is so interesting to me. This piece about like now people had my back. Did you think before that people didn't have your back or were they always there and you weren't open to receiving people supporting you in that way? I just always felt like she didn't understand. Like, I felt like they didn't understand maybe not people in terms of outside my family. Right. I, I feel like I do have support, but I always felt like maybe my, maybe she doesn't get it. Like maybe she doesn't understand what I'm trying to do. And through journaling and things like that, we had a conversation, if you will. And she, she was like, no, I get it. Like, I get it. Keep going, keep doing what you're doing. Like I understand. And I was like, oh, so you have my back. You know what I mean? I know it's weird. It's hard to explain, but that's kind of how I felt. I felt like, you know, it was like something I was trying to do for her versus that something. Now I felt like for the first time, Ooh, this is, that's a lot. Ooh. Oh my God. Okay. I don't know if I want to go there, but for the first time I felt like she has my back. Mm. Right. Like I'm on your side. Like I got you mm-hmm. versus me, you know, giving money, you know, things like that. Like, you know, just outbound. Yeah. This first time I felt like, wow, okay. Come on, Queen, you got it. I have your back. Um, do so, you so. think that like changed for you when you accepted yourself more fully? Like when like when you had your own back, mm. did you experience that at all? I never thought about it that way. So I'm asking because that's something that I've been noticing about myself. Mm whether it's with, you know, a parent or with just other women in general, or just like people in general, where like part of my sadness, what like part of my sadness was not having like that really, really close group of group of girlfriends as an adult. And the other, like, you know, it's kind of in the same category. The other part of my sadness was, um, I have a mom, she's still alive, but there was always this part of me that like, wished I had a different relationship, like Mm -hmm. a different mother daughter relationship. And then I would notice that in my head, not like outwardly to people, but like in my own head, I would have like anger and resentment towards my mom, but anger and resentment towards like other women, like not having my back or not cheering me on or supporting me or whatever the case. Mm. And then the more I started sitting with my own emotions and processing them, and having my own back, that's like number one. And then number two was, well, why don't I give, why don't I, okay, it's all kind of connected. Like, why don't I give to myself first what I am seeking from other people to give me? And then why don't I give that to them what I want in return? Mm-hmm. And that's when it shifted for me. Like, that's when the category of 
like friendships and also like mother daughter relationship, that's when it actually shifted for me. And nobody outside of me had to change. Nobody did. Nobody outside of me did change. Like they didn't change. I was the one that did, but that was huge for me. Like going through that whole process. That was a big one that came out of it. That's so big. That's so big for me. I felt like people are always trying to have my back and love me. And I always push them away. Like I just, it's like, there's levels to this. And I'm just like, oh, my best friend is in the inner circle. I mean, my husband, obviously my, my kids or whatever, then my best friend. And then I have other people and women have always tried to like get deep. And I just had this wall instead of a fence. And then I'm like, you know, I love people to be your friend. And when something like, I guess ridiculous, right? Like it's like, allow people to be your friend. Like it's just so, I never felt like, People didn't want, I was just like, ah, oh, okay, but I can only let you in until this part because I didn't feel, I didn't feel safe. I just didn't yeah. feel safe that, you know, trusting was one of the biggest, biggest healing that I've had to undergo is how to trust again. It's literally like the hallmark of my, if I, if I had to say, if they would have to be one lesson I could leave, it would be like, allow yourself to trust again. You are strong. gut. Did you have to trust yourself first? Absolutely. Like, was that the big piece? Trusting yourself before you could trust other people? Trusting myself meant that I had to build my self-esteem up again because lack of self-trust is really a low self-esteem issue. Yeah. And so when I started to build my self-esteem up again, meaning Queenette, have your own back. Queenette, appreciate yourself. Queenette, don't turn this mistake into something that's shameful. Like, it was almost like a it was almost like I was fighting myself. And if you're fighting yourself and you feel like you have an enemy within, it's so impossible to feel like people can see you and love you for who you are because you have a lot of self negative self-talk, negative relationship with yourself. It's like have your enemy living inside. So how can you let somebody else in deeply? Cause they're like, I don't want people to see that and I don't want to hurt them. So let me just keep them at the level where I can handle. So I don't hurt them. Cause I feel like I can hurt them. And people are like, yeah, you're so sweet and kind. Like, I don't know if you know that. And it's like, so they don't experience me the way I experience myself. Oof, I've never said that out loud. Um, so you know what I mean? And so my, my, my work was increase self-esteem, heal, heal the self-worth because, you know, obviously abandonment, the number one thing it produces is not enoughness. And so you compensate like what you said, doing all the things, checking off all the boxes. And so the real, the major work I've had to do was increasing my self-esteem. Mm appreciate myself, find out what I, you know, it took me into my thirties to find out what I actually want. I never knew. I never knew what what I wanted. Like, I know that sounds bizarre. You ask somebody, what do you want? It's not that I couldn't make decisions, but I never knew like what I want out of my life. Like I love freedom, but I'm chasing, you know, but I, but some people say, oh, you want it to be luxury. No, I like things that are like self-care luxury, like skincare and massages. And I like to pay for expensive, like if but that's not the luxury I want, but that if I, if, but if I'm not careful, I might want something I don't want. Like, you know what I mean? Because I'm not so solid in who I am. And so a lot of it is just like, you know, who are you? What do you want? It's like a loss of self. It's like, there was this thing I used to teach when I used to do like relationship coaching about the self self-love deficit. And it's like, I was missing so much because I didn't get it as a kid. And so I didn't know that this is like, it's almost like half of my, not my brain, but like the, the, the identity piece, that's what it is. The, I, my core identity doesn't freaking exist. And so in my thirties, I have to build it back, which is why it's so 
so I'm so fragile and so sensitive. And so I can't let you close because I don't want you to hurt me. I'm too scared to get hurt. So I can't let you in. So instead of a fence, I have a wall. And so everybody out, except for the people that I already let in, which is like best friend, my husband, you know, and kids and all this. Yeah. Like, you know, and then everybody else is just an other. And, you know, and, um, and, and then I had to heal. And once I got strong, I, once I felt strong, I built up my self-esteem. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I can play with everybody. Like, it's fine. Like, <laughs> like you're, you're fine. Like, even if a relationship doesn't work, don't make it mean anything. It's fine. And then you just realize you have more compassion for other people. Because then you're like, oh my goodness, they have a story too. Like we're all in this together. We all literally, if, you know, we have enough of these conversations, Megan, like we're all going through the same similar thing, just differently, you know? Uh, Amen. Because everything you just said, like, this is so cool. And if you're listening to this and you are like in your car or in your office or wherever you are, and you're like, oh my gosh, they are literally like saying my life right now. Everything you just said is exactly what my own internal experience has been around other people. And I want to share, like, you and I were raised very differently. <laughs> very di- we had, we grew up in very different households, right? Like we did not even grow up. I didn't grow up, you know, nobody like left my, I didn't have a parent that left the home. I, d- I didn't grow up with a family member, but yet I literally have had the same my own version of the same experience you literally just described. And that I love that you just said, like all of us are going through like the exact same thing, no matter where we started from. I mean, I think a lot of mine comes from my mom is an immigrant. My mom moved here from Germany in the fifties with her family. And I think that I, you know, I think a lot of her limiting beliefs and conditioning was just passed down to me, whether it was from family lineage or, um, you know, I think I've really carried a lot of the burden of what she experienced as a young, a young person. She's almost mm-hmm. 74 now. Mm-hmm. Um, because the way I was raised, like no one would ever think that I would have the type of conditioning and internal experience that I have had being in such a like healthy home with two parents and a brother and kind of like this all American little dream. Now we were not wealthy by any stretch. My dad climbed poles for a living. living. My mom was a teacher. Um, but you and I come from very, very, very different backgrounds, different cultures, different races, different everything. And we are two people literally going through life, having almost an identical experience internally. And when you hear that from somebody else who doesn't look like you, who isn't like you in so many ways, but yet you are so alike in so many ways. I mean, if people would just, Queena, if people would just sit down and have this, sit in a freaking circle and have this type of conversation, yeah, we would all get along. Exactly. Like it's literally, that's why when you were going through your own awakening and when your own transition, even in the program, like, yeah, I totally get it. It was so lovely. That was like, I felt like at your most vulnerable, you were the most beautiful. And I think I, I said that in one of the, in, I feel like I said that in one of the coaching sessions or whatever, I love that part so much. Like, I, I guess I'm a junkie for transformation anyway. So I, for me, I got the most out of it, out of the program when you were going through your transition. And that was the beginning of it. That was at the beginning. Wow. 
that's why I feel like we can never, we can't, we cannot stop doing what we're doing because we don't feel well. Like when I say not, don't feel, which means when you need your space, you need your space to like, you know, process or whatever. But I feel like even in moments where we're transitioning and doing all of it, doing all those things, I, I still find so much value in still showing up even during the transition. Like, I feel like you have to show up because obviously we were still in the container, but I loved it so much. I personally loved it because it were things that you were dropping and it was just more expansive and the conversations just got beyond the how-tos. And I was just like, yeah, this is what I'm here for. And I just yeah. loved that part. And, and so I just feel like everything happened for a reason. And I don't know, I feel like, yeah, we all need to have this conversation. And also it's just a human experience. Like if you're yeah. human, you're having this experience. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. For sure. Um, okay. I found those four Byron Katie oh. questions. Yeah. They're in my notebook. So I'm going to read them out so people can go ask themselves these questions and go get the book. She talks about these questions in the book, Loving What Is, yeah. which was actually one of the very first personal development books I ever laid eyes on. This was probably in 2011. Mm-hmm. I think I read that book for the first time. And so yeah. it was all like so new to me. I was like, this stuff is trippy. But it works. Okay. So here's a first questions Queen Out was talking about. Um, question number one, you ask yourself, is that true or is this true? Um, question number two, can you be sure that it's true? Question number three, how do you react or feel when you think that thought? And question number four, who would you be if you couldn't think that thought? Which basically is like, <laughs> I mean, here's the biggest thing I've like really learned about like thoughts and what's going on around, like in the world around us, like in our external environment, here's what we do. We make our thoughts facts. Yes. But we don't know we're doing it. You don't know you're doing it until somebody like sits you down and actually like shows you how this stuff works and helps you figure it out and make sense of it. But we truly do think like you were talking, you even used the word identity. Mm -hmm. You were talking about identity because our identity is so connected to the thoughts that we're having in our head. And so we think our thoughts are facts. And then that's where we're creating this identity from. And, but that's not even who we really are. Exactly. Oh my goodness. That's it in a nutshell. Like, I feel like that's, that's, that's the masterclass of life. Like if you want to like quantum leap or take your life to the next level, you change the identity. And the only way to change the identity is what Megan said, which is to change your thoughts. Like, no one could have, well, I was so mad at her. Remember when she said, oh, you know, is it true? I was like, what do you mean? She physically left America and didn't come back because of property and land and blah, 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 blah. I had, I was so right. I was so right and righteous and she had to pay. I was so angry with her when I was a teen, like in 20, I was like, nope. My aunt was like, talk. I was like, nope, nope. You know, she knows like, I was just so angry, which is probably sadness. Right. Yeah. Um, as you've mentioned, um, but uh, yeah, it's, um, I forgot how I got here, but yeah, it's Byron Katie changed my life. Like I heard her talking on Oprah and everything. There was a, I know my life before Byron Katie and I know my life after. It's like, Mm. it's just such a clear mark. It was the first time I thought a different thought. I had, I, I, I entertained a different story than what I already knew. And I had prescribed. And when I heard her version, when we went to Nigeria and she just, felt to, to, you know, to talk about it. She was just like, no, like, you know, we're, we're from a polygamous family. She wanted to secure our, my, her children were the smallest kids. So a lot of the kids had gone to college and she was trying to secure finances to make sure that we would still have enough. And so just 
even even though I didn't need that, thank goodness, like I'm happy for that. But like just even hearing the other, there's so many, there's so multiple, so many multiple realities. Mm-hmm. And I could get to choose which one I want to believe, depending on how I want my life to evolve. And so that's just so freeing, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I love it. I love it. So when you've gone through like your own seasons and your own transformation, you know, especially in the recent year. Um, because all of our listeners predominantly are business owners, how has that impacted your business? Mm, so good. I think trust, trust, trusting myself more and learning how to hear the voice of my soul versus the ego, really, really knowing the difference. <laughs> uh, the difference between the voice when it's the ego is like, and then the intuition and the soul and where it's leading me. Now I'm getting a, it's almost like, it's one of those things I know when I used to hear practice, I'm like, oh, I don't want to practice. Just tell me how to do it. (laughs) It's like, no, you have to practice. (laughs) You have to practice listening. You have to practice trusting. You have to practice and doing it afraid. Like, I'm going to trust my soul on this, but like, I don't see how the money's going to come. Like, I don't, I don't see the pathway. And it's just this need to know, is this, this control thing? Um, I didn't realize I was controlling until I realized I was controlling, Um, but (laughs) it's like this need to know. So I would say it's allowed me to trust myself and practice trusting myself and knowing that I'm being held, knowing that I'm powerful, knowing that no matter what happens, I'm getting what I need to get. We talked about that before, like, um, you know, with Brighton and doing this uh, role, like no matter what happens, she's getting what she needs to get. I'm getting whatever I need to get, no matter what happens. And so learning how to trust myself more is allowing me to like put out offers that are like that, that are on fire, that lights me up, that I really, really want to talk. Like this conversation that we're talking about right here, I love it. Mm-hmm. Every second of it, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Because I know that any one, any sentence that we, you and I both shared, anything that you've said, anything I've said, someone listening, this can change their life. That Like that's all it takes. It took one sentence to change my life, to get mm-hmm. me on the path of experiencing everything that came after that. Right. And so, um, so yeah, just, I think for me, it's just business owners, like put out offers that light you up, like let go of the house shoulds and it has to be high ticket or low ticket. Let, let that stuff go. Like, you know, what are you on fire about right now? Like share that, share that energy, share that passion. Cause I think that energy is going to connect to someone else's energy and the frequency. And then we can create amazing things from that. So um, I think how it shifted me right now is just like trusting a lot and putting out offers that are like that I'm so proud of legacy wise and that I'm literally like I this needs to get out. Speaking of messaging, like I just need to get this out. It's just, just this nice, healthy need, um, craving, desire that my soul is like, Queenette, we need this is why you went through all that put this stuff out, say it this way, share your story, talk about the painful start. Like, you know, just be brave, continue to be brave and have the courage and keep doing that. That's the work. And it's like, all right, trust that, you know, you can still cry and people still get it. Trust everything that's happening. And it's like, so I continue to lean into that trusting and knowing that I'm being held. So is that a feeling? Are you feeling a feeling? Cause some people are like, well, how do you know? How do you know that's the right offer? How do you know that you're trusting the right thing. So what's your internal guidance system? Is it a feeling? So let me share the ego. The ego is the easiest one to identify. The ego is like, I have to do this because I need to get this, this, and that. Like that's the ego's voice. Like I have to do this because I need to get this, this, and that. And that 
I need to get this, this and that is based on fear. Like, do I have financial security? Am I going to get this? How would I look? I don't, you know, I've been out here for a while. I want to make sure I still look like a seven figure coach or a six figure multiple. That's the control. That's that. Like you use the word control and you were like, I didn't know I was controlling. I found out the same thing about me. That the that the fear, like not the fear, the um feeling of the anger and the resentment, that was my way of trying to control the situation or like keeping people distant. That's control, right? Like I don't want people to find out, like, you know, the you know, what's really in here. Like that's control. What you're that's what you're talking about here. It's released so so that's a way for people to recognize it when that's the way you're operating, like what you just described, like I need to do this, I need to do blah, 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 blah. I don't want people to find out like I'm this, I'm that, whatever. That's all control. And so if you're coming from that place, it's not going to work. Exactly. Because that's ego. That's so that's the ego, like control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, so it's always good. Once you identify that, the flip side of that is you're going to feel fear, but it's really excitement this time. But you have to have faith, which is the scary part. So don't don't mix the state scary for fear that's controlling. So this excitement that I have and this, you know, this offers that I'm putting out, there's a part of me that's like, whew, it's like I have to take a deep breath in and know that I'm still being held. I'm still going to do it. But it's exciting. It's passion. It's like so purpose driven. It's something that I know I want my kids. And I that's another check mark. Like, my kids here, you can have it like forever and never, 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 never again. I'm so good with this. You know what I mean? That's another filter. But like, I feel like it's the, it's the, it's so beyond you. Like the, the, the soul work is beyond you. It's really have nothing to do with you. Sometimes I channel it. That's why I said, I'm so happy. We didn't have to go into like, Oh, this is the, you know, the top three things we're going to talk about. Like I just, as soon as you said, I'm like, yes, let's just have a conversation. So, because now I can channel. So when you feel like you're just channeling and it's not about you. And sometimes when you say it, you have to, like, I have to go back and listen to this again because I'm not all here. I need to come back and catch some of the things I've shared for myself. And that's how I know that this is soul-based. This is energy. This is beyond Queenette. It's not even me. I'm just being used. I'm a vessel. So whenever the offer comes in and it feels like a channeling, like Queenette, you need this for yourself. And I mean, before, when I used to think I need this for myself, I used to be like, well, how can you teach it when you need it for yourself? No, silly. <laughs> like, just because it came through you doesn't mean you don't need it. And so um, that was another, like, an up-leveling that I, I did had to, you know, mindset stuff that I had to shift. So, um, so yeah, that's how, you know, it's like, you just feel like something else is carrying this conversation and something else is leading you. And you're just trusting and trusting that it's going to be, we're going to end up where we need to be. Like yeah, we have yeah. no blueprint, no plan. Like we, we don't even have a title. We don't, we don't like, right, we, we just, we're just going, but I'm yeah, just yeah. trusting that everything that needs to be said is being said. Yeah. It's like this exhilarating feeling. And then you will have the thoughts that are like the old program thoughts. Like you can't really do this or this is too big. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I mean, you can really feel that exhilaration. It's like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just like the best feeling ever. Yeah. It's like yeah. on a roller coaster ride that it feels good, but it's like you have to keep breathing. You have to mind breathe, breathe, breathe. You're fine. You're fine. You're gonna be fine. You're gonna be fine. I'm fine. Fine. That's the yeah. conversation I'm having. Yeah. Now. yeah, I love it. I love it. Where's the best place for people to follow you on social media? Um, I'm loving Instagram. Are <laughs> I'm, you? I'm, I feel like now I feel like Instagram is like I'm loving Facebook. Facebook is always gonna be like you know they my baby but I'm starting to like you know get into Instagram a bit now. So Instagram and Facebook, Queenette Mobile. First, okay. Uh, last name. Cool. 
Um, so yeah, yeah, both places. Um, yeah, I feel like, yeah, Instagram feels like I can now show like, it's like, you know, these little boxes, you can show everything, Facebook things. I'm like, no, there's some good stuff that's still here. So, um, so I think I like that. Yeah. Are you using like stories and, and reels and lives on Instagram too? Well, I just, um, I'm using I'm stories a lot now. You. Thank you. <laughs> and, um, now I want to start doing more live streaming and face and Instagram has some of the best filters. <laughs> Can we just? Yeah, they do. <laughs> okay, I'm already following you. Yeah, I think I, I've seen you. I, I think I'm following you. So I've seen all right. you. Yeah. Okay, cool. Awesome. All right. Well, that's all in the show notes. Queena, this was like best conversation ever. It was so good. Yeah. Thank you for creating space. And um, yeah, and just trusting yourself too. Like, like there's just talk. I love that. Yeah. 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 So if you're listening to this and you are like, oh my gosh, they are speaking my language and you got a lot out of this, leave a, leave a, leave a comment. Let us know what you get out of this. Are you going through something similar? Um, leave us a comment. Let us know. Um, Cause I'm really loving having these types of just real conversations about, you know, I want people to feel like it's just two people having a chat, like sitting on the couch and you just, you happen to be in the room with us because this is like the real stuff. Exactly. Awesome, yeah. Queenette. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for tuning into the Built to Last show. If you're loving the show and have gotten any value out of it for your business and life, would you mind doing two things? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Our listener reviews helps us get more visibility and reach more people just like you. Help us make a difference for more entrepreneurs by helping them grow their businesses in a way that aligns with their life, family, and core values. Thank you so much for being part of our community and tuning into the show each week.